right, so God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. When you get saved, when you say yes to Jesus, your spirit is reborn into a new creation. And that spirit that you were born with, that, that is born into sin, remember it's one man's sin, Adam's, that makes us born into sin. Isn't that crazy? It's not actually even our own sin that makes us sinners, right? But doesn't that make sense then that it's not actually our goodness that makes us saved as well? Boy, that's good. That's good news. And if you never had peace about salvation, let that give you peace right there. You're not the reason you're a sinner. You're also not the reason you're saved. Come on. That's just a whole philosophy right there that will change the way we live. Thank you, Jesus. On the inside, within that born-again spirit, we have been given a sound mind. It's a gift from Jesus. It's a gift from a good father. This world also has a gift for you. Sometimes it's wrapped up in a nice, pretty bow. It's called fear and anxiety. Sometimes it's wrapped up in, in the obituary section of the newspaper. Have you ever done that for somebody? You, you wrap their birthday presents when they're over the hill, you know, in the obituary section. That's just a, a horrible, horrible thing to do. Uh, but what I'm saying is fear, anxiety, is a gift this world will try to offer you every minute of the day if you will receive that gift. I would rather operate out of the gift I've already been given and received that salvation called a sound mind. So I want to talk about the, the avenue, the path of fear, the path that fear takes to attack you. And it attacks through this one word that you've heard before, I'm sure. It's this word unbelief. Unbelief is the father of fear. Unbelief is the road that fear travels down to your mind to attack you. What does that mean? Well, belief and faith, even though sometimes in the body of Christ we interchange those words for some reason, are very different. They're very different. Belief is based on, on facts and on things that you see. Belief can change. Belief fluctuates. You know what doesn't fluctuate? Faith. Faith doesn't fluctuate because just like our sound mind is a gift, faith is actually a gift we get at salvation as well. 1 Corinthians 12, chapter, uh, chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Every man. That means you're not left out. The gift of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, another faith by the same Spirit. It's lifted here. It, faith is listed here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, this chapter here talks about how some folks operate in some of these gifts stronger than others. But these gifts have been given to every believer. That's what it says in the first sentence. You have been given the gift of wisdom, of knowledge, of faith, of prophecy, speaking in tongues. That's where we get all this. You've been given these gifts. You can operate in every one of them. But what we're taking from this right now is that faith is a gift that you receive at salvation. I like to describe faith like this. It's like a muscle. You receive every muscle you'll ever have in your body when you are born. 
as you grow, those muscles mature, they get stronger, and then you can spend time focusing on individual muscles to make them stronger as strong as you want or leave them as weak as you want them to be. But that's like faith. Faith is a gift you've been given at salvation, and then it is up to you to work that faith out, make it stronger, to, to, to have it, let it grow within you. That also should be very freeing because that takes away this thought that if I just had faith like this person, I would do that. If I just had the faith like my pastor has, I would be able to step out and start that business. If I just had the faith that Billy Graham had, I'd step up in front of somebody and tell them about the love of Jesus. If I just had this, stop with that question because you have the same faith that every other believer has. It is up to you to work it out, to make it stronger. And it gets stronger as we cast out unbelief. And it gets weaker, honestly, as we let unbelief become a part of our lives. And unbelief, like fear, is a road that through fear will constantly attack you. Unbelief is also not something that comes up. Well, it can. It, it, it can come from the inside. It is something on the inside of you. But unbelief is also an attack. Lisa uh, just told this story recently. I think I've already told it, but it's just a great example. She was having some sinus stuff, and she heard a commercial for Claritin, which talked about take this because it's flu season. And even though she was dealing with some sinus things right now, that commercial just kind of jolted something inside of her. And she said, no, I don't care if it's flu season. I don't believe in being sick. And this thing has to go. While she was sniffing and blowing her nose, and within uh, 24 hours, this thing she'd been dealing with with days lined up with the word that said she's healed. But listen, that's something as simple as a commercial attacks you with unbelief every day. Uh, it's your own life, looking back at your life and saying, well, you know, uh, this person died of this and, and my mom had this disease and I had this disease. I understand all of that. But the word says we have been healed of every disease. And looking back at our family history, I'm not saying it's all negative because it's good to, to understand things we're dealing with. It's good. I, I run a whole lot. I do a lot of cardio. We, my family's had heart problems. I do a lot of cardio. I want to do my part to keep my heart healthy. I also declare the word that heart problems cannot exist in my body. But you know what? There's times I think about my dad. There's times I think about my grandfather, and they both died of heart things. And there's times that that fear and that unbelief attacks me and says, what if the same thing happens to you? Do you know I don't just let that thought settle in here? I sometimes, and most of the time, out loud say, 1 Peter 2.24 says, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed of heart problems. Combat that unbelief with belief every time and watch more victory happen in your life. We talked about this last week. If you knew somebody was coming to attack you, you would build up your defenses, first of all. You'd build a wall around whatever they were going to attack, and you would do your best to stop it before it starts. If for some reason an attack gets through whatever wall you've built and fortified, then it is up to you to counterattack. You don't just give up and let it happen. Counterattack. Build up your wall of defenses by knowing the word, and then if something somehow gets through and, and you're operating in, 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 in sickness or, or, or you just see anything else, uh, poverty or whatever else getting through and, and, and you're not seeing the victory that Jesus won for you, 
counteract that unbelief that you're seeing even in your own life out loud with the word. It is powerful. It is a powerful thing to do. I can tell you, I got two good stories for you today. One thing happened to me this week. Uh, we had this small tree in our front yard, and during one of these windy days, part of it blew down, and it, it uh, was a pretty big branch. I mean, it was more than a branch. It was like the trunk. And after Youth Wednesday night, I got Judah home, and I was just tired of looking at it in the front yard. So I got a little handsaw at night, looked like a dummy, and I was sawing it in half. I cut it in half, and I told Judah, I said, you grab half, I'll grab half. We're going to run it. We'll race. We'll run down this hill and throw it in the woods, right? There's some woods down the hill from our house, and so we were kind of what an official race, but if we're doing this, we're racing. So we're both running down this hill pretty fast, and man, my foot went into a pothole, and I twisted my ankle so bad, and I fell face first. Uh, Judah was even concerned. My 12-year-old son showed concern. I knew it was pretty bad when Judah ran down. He's like, Dad, are you all right? And I was like, I'm fine. I stood up, and he goes, you're not okay. That looked really bad. I said, just pick up your branch. Let's go. So we did it. And my ankle, I mean, it even gave out like three times walking back to the house. Like, I mean, like it gave out and I fell down. And he was like, you're not okay. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm, it's fine. It was hurting really bad. It was hurting really, really bad. And honestly, I thought I might have, I thought I broke it, honestly. And he, he had to go inside and get ready. So what did I do? I walked up and down the street at my house about 10 o'clock at night. I just kept walking up and down for about 20 minutes, and I was praying in tongues. I was declaring the word, and here's what I was saying. I was saying, Jesus, I was very specific. I said, your ankles were broken, and mine were healed. The muscles around your ankles were torn, and mine were healed. The tendons around your ankles were torn, and mine were healed. Your body was broken, and mine was healed. Then I'd pray in tongues. And I did that for 20 minutes until I could actually put some pressure on it without it hurting. I went inside. I went to bed eventually. The next morning, it hurt very bad, but I woke up, and I could put some pressure on it. So I just kept declaring the promises of God all day long, all day long. I didn't go to the gym and run my normal three and a half miles. I didn't know if that would be very uh, smart, but I did walk around the house a lot, and I kept declaring the word. And by Thursday night, it felt really good. By yesterday morning, I went to the gym and did a I did an elliptical machine for a while. That was all I could do. And by the day, I'm telling you, my ankle feels completely fine today. So this was like a three or four day process. I honestly think I broke my ankle and I believe that it's healed. And if you're like, well, that's crazy. You can believe that if you want. That's fine. I will believe that because I believe the word works. And it took three or four days for to see this complete healing. But every time my ankle said, ouch, in my mind, I said, that's unbelief. You're healed in Jesus name. And I combated that thing for three or four days now, however long it's been since Wednesday night. And it feels great. I'm going to the gym tomorrow, and I'm going to do my 5K like I do every day tomorrow. So I'll only missed one day at the gym. That'll be good, right? I pushed on my grass yesterday. That was another step. But I was being attacked with unbelief by my very own ankle. Seriously. But I just kept combating it. Was my ankle hurt? Then my mind would say, look at that. It's broken. Listen, we're going to lead worship at a, at a conference this week in Colorado. Ashley and Carly Teredes. It's literally a healing conference. I had a dream Wednesday night that I was on stage with a cast leading worship at a healing conference. And one of my best friends in the whole world in this dream, Ashley, walked up to me. And he's like, listen here, brother. Uh, he's from England. He's like, I can't have you on stage at the healing conference with the cast on. I'm sorry. You, you can't be here. You guys have to go home. And I woke up and I was like, oh, I'm letting my friends down. I can't lead worship at a healing conference with a 
cast on my ankle. Then I had another dream that we were carrying guitars and products through the airport with crutches. And I was like, these dreams are unbelief. I kept waking up and saying, thank you, Jesus, I woke up, because that is not what's going to happen in Jesus' name. But I'm telling you, I combated every thought out loud with the word. And here we are three or four days later, and I've seen victory. It wasn't instantly. I could put pressure on it instantly after 20 minutes. Uh, but then it came back, but I kept standing on the word. So that's just a, an example. I want you to keep that in your heart because fear and anxiety travel through unbelief. You can combat unbelief. There's this great story. Some people get uh, a little bit twisted, um, but it's a story, I believe. Let's see. Let me find my, in my notes. I want to read it. Matthew chapter 17. Jesus and the disciples. Here we go. When they were come to the multitude, there came him a certain man kneeling down to him. You probably know this story. And saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falls into the fire and often to the water. I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, You faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. Jesus rebuked the devil. He departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. Verily I say to you, if you have faith the grain of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, Remove Hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. So people take this last word, that this kind doesn't come out by prayer and fasting, and they assign this to the demon that possessed this kid. But let me tell you, if there's any demon in hell that doesn't bow down to the name of Jesus, we are in trouble. Here's the truth, every demon in hell bows down to the name of Jesus. You don't have to add prayer and fasting to the name of Jesus to have authority over a devil. The subject that Jesus is talking about is unbelief. Because of your unbelief, and this kind of unbelief goes not out except by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting cast out unbelief. You want to see the word work in your life? Get rid of the unbelief. So let's talk about that. Prayer and fasting. Well, in... in, in in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul says, don't worry about anything. I said, pray about it. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. And peace will flood your mind. So there's the prayer part, right? We can experience peace through prayer. And then the fasting part. Fasting is another thing that people, uh, it seems like a, a lot of folks just don't quite understand it. We feel like if we fast, whether it's food or anything, you can fast anything. You can fast TV. You can fast screens. You can fast anything in your life. It's, fasting means you're denying your flesh of something your flesh enjoys. That's what fasting means. We think that if we do this, God will look down at us and say, Oh, look, I, I wasn't answering your prayer before, but now that you're fasting, I see that you're serious. I'm going to answer your prayer. That's not how it works. Fasting doesn't move the Lord. Fasting moves your flesh out of the way. Fasting means denying your flesh of something, so it moves your flesh out of the way. It takes away that avenue of unbelief because your flesh is what responds to unbelief. My flesh was saying, hey, my ankle is hurt. It might be broken. And then 
denying my flesh of anything declares is making a declaration. Flesh, you don't control me. What you say doesn't have the final word. Brandon had a word for our church last week that the Lord is calling us as a body to a season of prayer and fasting. I believe it. When he said it, I heard the Lord uh, spark something on the inside of me when he said that. I already had a majority of this message written, and I knew that it was even going to come up in this message, and Brandon didn't know that. So I believe that's a word. Keep that in your heart. We'll talk more about it. But, but I believe the Lord's calling us as a body to a season of prayer and fasting. So uh, what does that mean? Well, prayer means talk to the Lord. Uh, here's the other side of that. Some of us aren't too good at the second half, which is listening. If your prayer is mostly you talking and not listening, that's, that's a one-way street, right? In fact, I, I think we should turn it around. I think we should say less and listen more in prayer. So uh, that, that'd be a really good, that's a good thing to think about. And then fasting, man, let the Lord put something on your heart to deny yourself of. It might be social media. It might be TV. It might be TV show. It could be some type of food. It could be all food. I don't know. But the Lord will put something on your heart. Here's what's going to happen. How do I know? Because I know my flesh. Your flesh is going to say, no, 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 no. Don't, 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 don't fast that. There's a new episode this week. No, you'll see spoilers online. No, don't fast social media. How will you know what's happening with blah, 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 blah? No. If the Lord says it, just do it. You'll see some victory in your life like never before. But Jesus himself said, listen, you couldn't cast this demon out because there was unbelief in your heart. And that kind of unbelief, I guess it was strong, only comes out through prayer and fasting. Let's talk about what that means. That, that little boy was a little, he was a child. And it said that this demon would throw him into the fire and he would get burned. This demon would throw him in water and he would drown. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the, the trauma that, that would happen inside yourself seeing a kid burning, seeing a small child drowning in water? The times you'd have to be very aware as a parent or anybody else around that has seen this would have to be so aware of this child at all times because of what was happening to him. This was something that was visually very hard to watch. This was something happening that to every one of the senses, all five senses to everybody around this child, things looked bad. That's how unbelief attacks you. It's through your eyes. It's through your ears. It's what you hear. It's those stories you heard of grandma had this problem, mom had this problem, now you're going to have this problem. It's what you see. It's look how bad this problem is. There's not an answer that's big enough in the whole world to solve this problem. It's the things you've said. It, it, it's everything that you take in with your five senses. Unbelief can attack through that. But we don't walk by sight, right? We walk by faith. That gives some context to that verse for you. If we walked by sight, we'd be operating in unbelief all the time. How bad things looked was the reason those disciples couldn't cast that demon out. But Jesus said, listen, get rid of the unbelief through prayer and fasting, and then you'll see it leave just like I just told it to leave, and it did. Here's the last point I'm going to get to today, but it's about fear and faith. It's more along these same lines is that fear and faith, whereas God operates and moves in our life through faith, fear, the enemy, operates through unbelief, through fear itself. The same permission faith gives God to move, fear gives the devil, the enemy, permission to move. 
So we want to say no to it because we don't want to give him any authority he doesn't deserve and he doesn't deserve any of it. And he doesn't have any. Jesus took it all away. Faith will move you forward. Fear will stop you dead in your tracks from moving forward. We see this in the story of Job. Uh, Job is another story that freaks people out, but here's the absolute truth about Job. It's the oldest book in the Bible. I don't know if you knew that, but Job was written even before the book of Genesis was written down. The book of Job was written. Job lived before the covenant with Abraham. He lived thousands of years before the covenant with Jesus that you and I have. We have promises in our life that Job did not have in his life. But we do get lots of revelation from the book of Job. We don't have to be afraid that the same thing will happen to us because we have promises. We have a Savior, which is awesome. But here's this thing from the book of Job, chapter 3, verse 25. Job's children were killed. His family was killed. And it's a horrible, horrible story. The enemy did it. The enemy did it. But here's what Job says in verse 25 of chapter 3. The thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. That which I was afraid of has come unto me. Job wasn't just afraid that his children would die because of their sin. He was petrified. If you read this story, before anything happens to Job, it says that he spent hours every night of his life making sacrifices for his children to cover their sin. This was a life-controlling fear that Job had, that his children would be killed because of their sins. And then when the enemy attacked, that's the exact thing he attacked. Man, fear puts a target on you and says, here's where you can attack me. Here's what you should do to me. Fear is an avenue the enemy uses. It's like, it's like, it's like target practice. But here's the thing. We can resist fear at every step. We remember our promise, part of our covenant that Job didn't have. James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil. He will flee from you. So, so when we feel that fear, when we feel the anxiety rise up, whatever it is we're afraid of, I'm afraid I'll lose my children. That's unbelief, and we combat it, just like I combated that ankle. I will not lose my children. My children are blessed. They'll receive salvation. I'll be the one to tell them about Jesus. They'll receive. Begin to declare your promises. Cast out that unbelief and watch the Lord work. It doesn't matter how dire the situation looks. It doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural. Just keep combating every thought that rises up against the name of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 10.5, cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, it looks pretty dark. My kid is pretty far gone. That is exalting itself against the Lord. Nobody is too far gone for Jesus. Combat that thought with the word. Don't try to figure it all out. Give up control and give that to the Lord. He'll make a way where there seems to be no way. He'll make a highway through the desert. He'll bring the road up to meet you. He'll bring the mountain down for you to walk right over it. It doesn't matter what it looks like. The enemy attacked Job through the thing he feared, but you got promises he didn't have. You have a Savior that he didn't have. Thank you, Jesus. I got one more story. I, I have an example of something that happened last year, a conversation I had last year with somebody that I just think is it's kind of funny, but I think that we'll get some truth out of it because I, what I hope we get out of this is how the things that hold us back, the fear that attacks us, how minimal that it really is compared to the authority that you have in Jesus. Because, you know, you got all the authority in Jesus. There, there, no weapon formed against you will prosper. There's not a, a demon or a devil strong enough that's stronger than the blood of Jesus that covers you. So here you go. Uh, it, we were at, at a lead in worship last year at a conference. 
in Woodland Park, Colorado. If you didn't know this, my wife and I are also we're worship leaders, and we, uh, we get to do that sometimes together, and it's really fun. So we were leading worship last year at a conference. Woodland Park, Colorado is set at 8,500 feet above sea level. It's very high up there. It's right below Pikes Peak. I mean, like, you got to kind of have to prepare for the altitude when you go there. Well, we were leading worship, and uh, this, this young guy, he was mid-20s, uh, was doing sound for us. We didn't, we didn't know him, but I was getting to know him a little bit through the week. And one day he says to me, well, first of all, let me say this. He was born and raised in Woodland Park, had never even left Colorado, he said. Woodland Park is, is, is on this mountain, but it is the land of bears and cougars and mountain lions. And when we go up there in every hotel room, in every lodge we've ever stayed in, we go up there a couple times a year to lead worship. There's a little handbook that says what to do if you encounter this beast. And here's what every page says. Fight it. Here's what every page says about bears, mountain lions, and cougars. It says they're stronger than you. So don't, you know, they're faster than you, so don't run. You can't outrun it. They can climb trees, so don't climb the tree. If you see a bear, a mountain lion, a cougar, stand your ground, and if they attack, fight. It literally says go for the eyes. That's what it says. It says, hopefully, you can't, you can't win a fight if the thing stands its ground, but if you can at least freak it out a little, it'll run the other way, maybe give you time to escape. That's kind of freaky, right? You can be attacked with some unbelief when you read those things, right? You have, to, you have to be like, wow, thank you, Jesus. I have authority over mountain lions, bears, and cougars, and everything else, right? This kid was born and raised in this city. He's encountered bears, mountain lions, and cougars for 25 years of his life. And here's what he says to me. Hey, you're from North Carolina. I said, yeah. And he goes, have you ever been to Albemarle? I was like, yeah, I, I live in Gastonia. It's like an hour away. He goes, man, since I was a little kid, I've only ever wanted to do one thing, be a husband and a father. And I thought that would never happen for me, right? The 25-year-old says, I thought it would never happen for me. It's been so long. And then he says, but I finally met the girl of my dreams. I love her with all of my heart. And she lives in Albemarle, North Carolina. And is it a nice place? I was like, yeah, it's great, man. You should, have you not been out to see her? Because he said they've been talking for a year. And he said, no, I haven't been out to see her. And I was like, well, haven't you been out to see her? And he says, well, I mean, like, you know, our city is at 8,500 feet above sea level. We don't have, like, mosquitoes. Uh, but I heard there's mosquitoes in North Carolina. And I was, like, I was like, what do you mean you heard those mosquitoes in North Carolina? He goes, there's no mosquitoes there? I was like, no, there's mosquitoes everywhere. He goes, have you ever been bitten by one? And I said, I don't think I've ever not been bitten by one. I said, I, I've been here for a week. I think I still have mosquito bites on my arm from last week when I was at home. And he's like... He's like, I, I just can't deal with that, man. I, I, I'm really afraid. Like, I, is it, does it hurt? I was like, no, not usually. Kind of itches after. And, and I said, and honestly, you, you get really used to them. I said, you can have fun with them. You know, if, they, if they're on your arm at the right place, you can flex your arm and they just keep sucking blood till they explode. It's kind of fun. He goes, he like, his jaw dropped. He goes, you mean you, you play with mosquitoes? <laughs> I was like, listen, listen, buddy. I was like, are you telling me that you haven't met the love of your life in person because you're afraid of mosquitoes? I couldn't help it. I, I, he said yes, and I just, I, I, I told him I was sorry, but I said, man, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. I said, you're telling me you, 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 you've seen bears. Literally, I believe that day, 
Nobody could go outside of the conference because a mama bear and her two cubs were walking around the premises. And they were like, hey, stay here for lunch. Nobody should leave until those bears are off site. I was like, man, there's bears literally outside, right? We can't go outside right now because there's a bear that will maul our faces. And you won't go to North Carolina because of mosquitoes. He's like, I shouldn't be afraid of mosquitoes. I was like, you should not be afraid of mosquitoes. I said, you will go to North Carolina. You will get bitten by mosquitoes. And uh, you'll be all right. You'll be okay. I said, you won't even notice. Maybe that night you'll, you'll be a little itchy. He's like, but does it itch bad? I was like, man, you'll be all right. But you know how you get rid of mosquitoes? You swat at them, right? You squash, squash them. If you don't want to get your hands dirty, you could use a flask water, right? It's pretty easy. Sometimes if I have a hand vac out and I see one, just suck it up the hand vac. <laughs> There's lots of ways to get rid of a mosquito. It should not stop you from taking a step forward into the next and best part of your life. But let me tell you, do you understand that mosquitoes have more authority than the devil? Mosquitoes have more authority over you than the devil himself. That, you guys got kind of quiet when I said that. Maybe you never thought about that. A mosquito actually has more authority over you than the devil himself. Are you not a child of God? Do you not have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you? Do you not have every promise of God resident? You've been given the gift of a sound mind. And when the spirit of fear attacks, you've been given the choice to stand up and resist it. In fact, it's a little bit simpler than getting rid of mosquitoes. I don't even see 90% of the mosquitoes that bite me. I don't know about y'all. I get home from something and I'm like, man, Sometimes, I mean, I've, they really like me. I don't know what it is. I think they go to KFC and they're like, please give me the all white meat because I get bit a thousand times if I am outside. They like, they like this pasty white goodness, I guess. But here's the thing. Maybe it's just like, a, it's like moths to a flame. I just glow and it's night, you know. It, stars reflect off of my body. I don't know why, but I don't even feel it when they're on me, hardly ever. Do you know what I do notice just about every time? Fear and anxiety. You know that feeling the second it hits you. Don't give it a second. Don't give it an inch. I mean, out of your mouth, in the moment, declare out loud what the promise of God says over the situation. Out of your moment, out of your mouth, in the very moment, declare the word. If fear attacks you a hundred times a day, and some of us, that is not far-fetched. Some of us may be even way above that. Some of us get attacked a hundred times an hour. I hope a hundred times an hour out of your mouth you're saying what the Word of God says. And if people think you're crazy, that's fine. Let them think unbelief is normal and faith is crazy. That's fine. That's fine. Don't worry about what they think. Don't let a mosquito stop you from moving forward. Fear will stop you dead in your tracks, but it doesn't have to. Start seeing these, start seeing the fear, anxiety attacks like those little mosquitoes. I don't know, picture a mosquito. Picture a goofy little thing flying around, because that's really what it is. You got more authority over that than you've ever imagined. Man, if you know your promises and you've been operating in victory over fear and anxiety, at a great level, you still have more than you've ever imagined. The Bible says he'll do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything we can ask or imagine.
It's so easy to glorify and magnify the fear, but not the promise of God. It's easy to exaggerate the fear. Try exaggerating the promise of God and see how far you get. Because you can't exaggerate the promise of God. Listen, the shadow on the wall that's made by the lamp can end up being Freddy Krueger if you want it to be. You can exaggerate the shadow on the wall. But try to exaggerate what the promise of God says. No matter what that shadow is, no weapon formed against me will prosper. No matter what that shadow is, I don't have to be afraid because God is with me at all times. He watches me. His rod and his staff comfort me in the valley of the shadow of death. No matter what that shadow is, I'm going to be all right. You cannot exaggerate the promise of God if you tried forever. That is the authority you have. That is what happens when you operate in that gift of faith instead of the gift the world's trying to give you, which is fear. You got authority. Remember that story about that young dude with the mosquito. I hope I see him next week. Well, we'll be there. And, and if I see him, I'm going to be like, hey, did you make it out yet? Because I might just tell him there's no more mosquitoes. They all, they're all gone. I don't know what happened. No more mosquitoes, man. Not afraid of bears or mountain lions but mosquitoes. You got authority. And the Lord is just waiting to move in your life in ways you've never even imagined. Man, let that faith arise. Let that faith arise as you cast out unbelief and watch him move. Watch him move like never before. Isn't that good? That's good news, right? And you can apply this to every part of your life. You can apply it to your family. You can apply it to your finances. You can apply it to your job. You can apply it to your cars. You can apply it to, to whatever it is you got going on. Man, uh, I, I really feel like, uh, let's, all, let's all stand as, as we close here and the band can come up. But I feel like that there are, I don't feel like this, I know this, man. I feel like the Lord was telling me this this week. So many of us here at Freedom are a, at a point in life we would call it a crossroads, where there's lots of decisions you have coming up. And, and I believe there's been fear and anxiety built around this thought, I hope I make the right decision. I want to speak this out to you. This isn't in my notes, but I want to speak this out to you prophetically. There's a story of Abraham and Lot. And Abraham and his nephew Lot, they're, they're, they had both grown too wealthy for one piece of land to, to uh, provide for all of their, their livestock. So Abraham walks his nephew out to a hill and he looks over and, and you can see all this land. There's a bunch of dry land, desert, and then there's a bunch of lush green lands. And Abraham said, Lot, pick which land you want for your, for your family and for your wealth. The reason Abraham told him to pick because he knew that if he went to the dry desert ground, he'd be blessed. And if he went to the green pastures that looked great for crops, he'd be blessed. And of course, Lot picked the good looking ground. Abraham picked the desert. Well, he went to the desert and he was blessed even more than before. I'm not saying that God doesn't have a best choice for you. He does. God has a best choice for you, and he will illuminate the path he wants you to walk down. He will make it very plain. In fact, the Bible says he'll guide you with peace. It says, uh, let the peace of God reign. That means uh, that word is taken from sports analogy. Uh, that was written to the Greek church, and they were all about the Olympics, and that word Reign, let peace reign, is, is, is the same word you'd use like for a referee calling the game. So a referee says when the game stops, when it starts, when, when whatever happens. So in other words, 
Paul says, let peace rule and reign in your heart. Sometimes God's leading you down a certain path just by, well, I have peace about this. For some reason, I don't feel good about this path on the left. Well, you know what? Go right. God leads you by peace, actually, a lot of times. He does have a best choice, but get rid of fear by knowing this. Whatever path you take, you're going to be blessed. Whatever path you take, you're going to be blessed. But what if it's not God's best? We have a God that knows how to reroute. We have a God that knows, if your GPS can get you to where you're going after making a wrong turn, God can get you where you're going after we make what might be a wrong turn. You're blessed no matter what. So you know what, when fear is attacking you, this week, when you're thinking about the big decisions you have in life, and fear says, I hope you picked the right one, you might just want to out loud say, I'm blessed no matter what. I'm blessed no matter which path I take. Say it out loud. Declare it. Go to the Word and then let God lead you down His best path for you. Because, man, He's going to blow your mind. He's going to blow all of our minds. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you for this gift of a sound mind. That as we cast out unbelief, we will walk in a sound mind more than ever. We will operate from that gift of a sound mind that you've given us more than we ever have as we cast out unbelief and declare your word. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.